Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid, just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is August 25th, 2015. I just decided last minute to do this show. I hadn't been able to get into my Blog Talk Radio system on my laptop in a few weeks, and I was so busy traveling that I just didn't call my computer guy. So finally, when somebody was... Uh, messaging me and I was like okay let me just fix this so we finally did it There was a lot of little things little bugs that we had to do but no nobody was trying to hack me it was just that um, I needed to do updates and fix my browser and do all kinds of cool things so it looks like the show that I had planned is about what I had said what it's about is about what you know how do we make what makes Alcoholics Anonymous a toxic group and I started to really uh, get a different view of AA after having on um, Rachel. Rachel I had on last, um, it was like a month ago. I haven't done a show in a month. I couldn't believe that this much time has flown by. But Rachel works with Stephen Hassan. And Stephen is back east. I think he's in Boston. And he is considered an expert. Uh, he's been at it for... 30-something years. He was joined the Moonies when he was 19. I joined uh, joined AA. It's so funny when you know people say, oh, when did you join? It's like, well, the whole thing of way the way you get hoodwinked into AA or you think you're... I'm sure there are people who don't join it or they, they're not even... That isn't a part of their way that they would describe it. They would go to meetings and maybe sit in the back of the room and they would come and go and they hate it and they don't work the steps, they don't get a sponsor, they don't get involved. But for people who get super involved like I did, you go, how did this happen? And then I, she really, this other friend of mine, Michelle, who was a new friend that I met up in um, Big Sur, but she lives down here in L.A., she's a, a screenwriter, she insisted that I go see Stephen at uh, the uh, Stephen the Steve Allen Theater that's in, in East Hollywood for his talk. And I'm really glad I did because well, I bought his book, Combating Cult Mind Control, uh, the number one best-selling guide to protection, rescue, and recovery from destructive cults. 
uh, I hope to have him on the show. I'm re- I'm still reading the book. Um, you know, it's pretty, it's a lot, and um, you know, I've read like so many, so many different books. I've never read actually one like this, but um, I am reading it, and I find that some of the things that he, that were just in his PowerPoint, you know, presentation. Um, really kind of opened my mind. So if anybody's out there listening, 818-475-9211. I'm going to take calls. Uh, You can call in and talk about um, any kind of abuse that happened to you in Alcoholics Anonymous, any complaints that you have about Alcoholics Anonymous, or it can be any 12-step group if you want to talk about NA or any other kind. So call in to talk about what kind of toxic experience you had. Um, those who find their way to this podcast who still love AA and think it's great, this is not for you. It would be just like if you were still a Mooney, you know, why would you listen to it? Or if you were still a Scientologist, then you wouldn't need any help or you wouldn't need to be here. So this is a place, a safe place for people to come who have left, who want help leaving, who want to know that there's like six other free options, plus, plus, plus. Like there's more than six free options, which are smart recovery, secular organizations for sobriety, moderation management, HAMS harm reduction, which is basically an online uh, program people can use, or it's called, he has his tools or his um, elements, 17 elements, Ken Anderson. He has his own podcast. So SMART's pretty big. You have Life Ring in certain parts of the country. There's the Sinclair Method. If you don't know anything about it, go on to Claudia Christian's Facebook page, Google One Little Pill, buy her movie, rent her movie, and she is an advocate for the use of the Sinclair Method, which is you take the pill one before one an hour before you drink, then you drink, and slowly you have the uh, extermination of the addiction that happens in the brain. And uh, But here's what I did. So I came back from, I think it was the San Antonio Film Festival. Thank you. A big shout-out to the San Antonio Film Festival for uh, playing the 13th step there. We went to the Voiceless Film Festival last week uh, that was in San Francisco. A big shout-out. We won an award there. That award was for... Uh, best Woman Director. I got Best Something. What did I get? I just got it yesterday. I don't remember. Let me see. What what did I win? It was very sweet. They were really lovely, lovely young people. Uh, and it, you know, I'm really glad because I guess it turns out that San Francisco is a big stepper city. Not surprised. And um, let me just find it here. So let me go to Voiceless. You're giving a voice to the Voiceless, which certainly... Sometimes many of us feel so. I won the Women's Award, Yoo-hoo! Women's Award at the Voiceless International Film Festival in San Francisco, California. Awesome. Um, again, the number is eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. You can call in, and if you don't want to speak, you can just listen from your smartphone. If your computer is not working, and I know that somebody's having trouble out there. I think it was uh, Susan. Sometimes it's browser stuff, so I don't know. I have I needed a computer guy to help me. But, but so back to what I did. Uh, we have a deprogramming from AA or any twelve-step group to Facebook group. It's a private. It's a closed group. I'm sorry. It's not private. It's not completely uh, uh, hidden. 
So I guess you can see it, but you can't see any conversations. You have to ask to be allowed in the group, and I have to let you in. <laughs> so we have 173 people waiting to get in, and we have 175 members that are in the group. And I just try to do it slowly because if I don't, I inevitably let somebody in who's just a hacker who just wants to be um, a problem. What I did is I asked a question, and the question, let me see how far, because uh, the question goes back a few little ways now. Um, let me see. Where are we? Uh, wow, it's kind of really gone down here in the link. Uh, let me find it. Let me see. Please listen to the episode. No, I really have to find this because... So I asked, what was your experience? What kind of things happened to you? Um, would you all help me compile a list of toxic group behavior um, that I put that I and my husband received by being in AA? This may include one-liners from the big book. Um, then I said that I would make the list and then send it to Stephen Hassett. Now, I made this post on August 13th, and there are over 595 comments. 595 comments. It's the busiest... Um, uh, let me go all the way back. So what I had wanted to do, and now, of course, there's so many comments. I mean, every comment, I'm not sure if every comment is not uh, a way to, to show, um, to make you feel like you are less than and that you are stupid and all this and that your brain needs brainwashing. Nobody's brain needs any brainwashing. Nobody, Nobody's brain, I should say it this way, nobody's brain needs a washing. Like, that's really nuts. Uh so when I was listening to Stephen talk, and, if, and then I asked him about AA, and I told him about what I was doing, and he was like, well, you know, did you go to my website? And I was like, no, I don't, you know, I didn't really know. I, I've heard about you, but uh, I think I reached out to him like a year ago with, without getting any kind of response, so I kind of just moved on. I was still probably recutting the film. But the thing is, is that they, there are traits that they're just like AA. Like it was just like, wow, so you have... What are positive groups and what are toxic groups? And the components of making a toxic group are all going on in AA. And so there were some really basic ones, and I want to point them out. So they are simply, when someone else tells you that only they can help you, uh, it's a red flag, okay? When a group tells your whole family that, you know, and you have an AA member with 15 years or 10 years telling you, the newcomer, oh, only we can help you, that your family can't, and you can't even help yourself until we love you. So then, you, you know, wow, that's, that's a red flag. Um, when people tell you that you will never get any better, in a layperson support, you'll never get any better. You'll never be able to leave the group. That is a sign of a toxic group. And I guess, you know, he wanted to stay away from always calling it um, like uh, the thing that about everybody, when you call it a cult, that people's brains kind of close up. And so a way to get in there and a way to get people to listen is by calling it a toxic group rather than a cult. And, I mean, I understand that. But I think that if you're going to call, if we were to, you know, make a list of all these these things that are said to AA people, and the point being that I would write a list, and then I would make a Google Doc and then share that with people, but then I would send it to Stephen. 
But I have his book opened, and it's open to Chapter 5. That's not a pun or any joke because of Chapter 5 in AA, but it's called Chapter 5 is about cult psychology. And then there's an elitist mentality. Members are made to feel a part of the elite corpse of humankind. This feeling of being special, of participating in the most important acts in human history with a vanguard of committing behaviors, is strong emotional glue that keeps people sacrificing and working hard. As a community, cult members feel that they have been chosen by God, history, fate, or some other supernatural force to lead humanity out of darkness into a new age of enlightenment. Cult members have a great sense not only of mission, but also of their special place in history. They believe they will be recognized for their greatness for generations to come. In the Moonies, we were told that monuments and historical markers would someday be erected to commemorate us because of our sacrifices. Ironically, members of cults look down on anyone involved in other cult groups. They are, all, they are very quick to acknowledge that those people, in quotes, are in a cult, or in, they are the ones who are brainwashed. They are unable to step out of their own situations and look at themselves objectively. This feeling of elitism and destiny, however, carries a heavy burden of responsibility. Members are told that if they do not fully perform their duties, they are all failing all of humanity. The rank-and-file member is humble before superiors and potential recruits, but arrogant to outsiders. Now, that line is really true about AA. That is absolutely like AA. Almost all members are told when they are recruited that they, too, will become leaders one day. However, advancement will be achieved only through outstanding performance or political appointment. In the end, of course, the real power elite stays small. Most members do not become leaders, but stay among the rank and file. Nevertheless, cult members consider themselves better, more knowledgeable, and more powerful than anyone else in the world. As a result, cult members all often feel more responsible than they have ever felt in their lives. They walk around feeling as though the world sits on their shoulders. Cult members don't know what outsiders mean when they say you shouldn't try to escape reality and responsibility by joining a cult. Now, there's some stuff in there that doesn't fit, but there is other stuff that does. And the whole thing about leaders in AA, eventually, like it says, we have no leaders, there's but trusted servants. It's like, yeah, right. So then how come you have delegates and how come you have area chairs? And especially in West Los Angeles, when you have, you know, a bunch of uh, leaders that keep, you know, they just go from one job to the Westside District and then they become, you know, the the DCM or something. It's pretty weird. Uh, let me just go back here. So I found I found my thing. Everything's moving along just fine, I think. Okay, so I made this list. Let me go back to... I can find it. Um, I have to go back to this Facebook page. All right. Um, this is so weird to... I'm now going back and forth between different ways to navigate the Internet. Sorry, folks. Anyway, okay, so people made 550 comments. And there, oh, there is somebody in the queue now. I'm going to probably, I'm going to, I'm going to get to you in a second. So hang in there. All right, I want to just start with some of the comments that people made because there were just a ton of them. 
and maybe maybe I'm going to pin this again. Oh, can I pin the post? I can't pin the post. Okay, it's then it will bring it back to the top. Um, okay, so the list is really long, right? Um, here we go. Restless, irritable, and discontent. If you said something about anything, that's a one-liner that somebody could tell you. Oh, well, you're restless, irritable, and discontent. What, so that what doesn't matter, what, what you just what's going on? Um, our, our common welfare should come first. That's it. So our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Personal recovery, each individual is contingent on the unity of AA. I mean, that's like wacko. It's just like crazy wacko. That's totally nuts. Um, you need to be and get, get the right size. Somebody wrote, um, my brain needs washing. We have to put our sobriety above everything else, family, friends, and work and children. You are sick, sick, sick. Your best thinking got you here. This is the last house on the block. Um, okay, let's go and, and look at some of the previous... I want to get to the top of the comments. But these are, let's see. Oh, my God, there's so many. I mean, there's, eat lots of sugar. <laughs> That's what somebody wrote. Uh, somebody wrote, a lot of the stuff that got really to me is kind of buried deep, but I'm not afraid to dig. Um, let's see. Uh, if you're asking, if you're asked to do anything in AA, always say yes. That's one. Um, AA women defending the sexist big book by saying you have a resentment about an old book that helped millions, so let go of your selfishness if you want to live. Wow, that's pretty weird. Um, let's see. Your best thinking got you here. That's been said a lot. How, yeah, how's that working for you? Oh, God, I, I heard that in a TV show recently, and I was like, how's that working? That is such a stepper. That is such stepper crap. Yeah, how's that working out for you? Um, here's 20 bucks to go drink. Better have your pink parachute for you when you get knocked off your pink cloud. God, that's so mean. But so true. They said that to me when I was like 18 years old. I have spilled more than you drank. Yeah, that was me too, Michelle. Michelle wrote that. Um, I am so grateful for the gift of desperation. Wow. How about take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth? Wow. Um, you need a checkup from the neck up. Your shitty committee is what is wrong with you. It's you. You did this. Why don't you just drink? Your intellectual pride is pure ego run amok. You are self-will run riot. Self-centeredness, that is the root of our disease. Wow. Okay. Um, live in the AA circle and occasionally visit the outside world. Um, are you willing to do anything that Alcoholics Anonymous will ask of you? If you don't think you are powerless, then you might as well leave and drink. Once you're a pickle, you can't go back to be a cucumber. Now, Matthew Lecter wrote this. You need a database to categorize it and prove statistical significance. Then you can publish what AA really is based on majority opinion. Um, well, I don't know about that. I'm not, 
I'm not trying to be that scientific, Matthew, but I'm I'm just going to make the list. Right now I'm reading the list, right? Um, let's see. You can categorize it. Okay, now they're just talking um, to each other. Um, let's see. Your disease wants you dead. Your disease... Oh, my God. That is a really... That's a really wrong, wrong thing for anybody to say to anybody. It's like the further you get out of AA and the longer you're gone, like for me it's over four years now, you just think, oh, my God, that's so freaking crazy to say that. Your disease – no, no, no. First of all, there's no disease. And there is no real disease that anyone has that – it's like you're giving that power like it has control over you. It's more disease that it wants you dead. That is so – like fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm really trying not to swear, and, and I really want to, you know, just not swear as much on my show and whatever. But that is like so, like, really bad. Okay, that your disease wants you dead. Okay, no, there is no disease that wants you dead. You must be rid of selfishness. You must, or you will die. That's in the big book. Um, they died so others could live. This is the kind of stuff that people say to people who have, about people who have committed suicide in AA. They died so others could live. Oh, that is so sick. Those who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves, they seem to have been born that way. Gaslighting anyone? That is. That's total gaslighting, and that's read at every meeting. And it's said in a way that is like, oh, you know, um, this is the facts. These are the way it is. In fact, so for those of you who are listening who don't know this, you know, and and this was kind of, uh, Bill and Bob met up and, you know, Bill met the Oxford guys in the 1935 and that's when he stopped drinking and then he met Dr. Bob and so they both practiced the Oxford movement, which said then they morphed into Alcoholics Anonymous and the book was published in 39. But they never vetted it. This is not like, like there were maybe a hundred people. They even say it at the beginning. So it's not a scientific research. There wasn't like years and years of studies or that even, you know, uh, that this kind of what they, they're saying here, those who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. Um, maybe Bill was when you have somebody who's pathological, somebody that, you know, is a sociopath. But everybody who drinks too much or even some people who don't drink too much wind up in AA. Uh, okay, we're going to stop there. We're going to stop there, and I'm going to bring on the caller. Hi, caller, you're live. Can I have your name, please? Hello? Hi. Hi, this you, is Tom. Hi, Tom. Do you want to just listen, or you want to talk, or uh, you have a question or a comment? Uh, I just wanted to say hi, and uh, that I appreciated you coming to San Francisco to show your movie. And, uh, oh, you, you're welcome. And it was nice to meet you. Yes, it was really great to meet you and to meet uh, Ken Reggae with you as well. But, uh, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of talking with you on, online and through Facebook and on the phone. So it was really, really great, you know, to meet you and to sit that night after the movie. And, um, yeah, it's really powerful. Okay. I don't... I don't really have much to say. I just I have a, a site called notpowerless.com, um, which explains my experience and um, the efforts I've been trying to make to get um, professionals to address 
what they're doing to people. Mm-hmm. Okay, can you say the name of your blog one more time? It's notpowerless.com. Okay, I've seen it. Um, you want me to put you back on hold? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm going to put Tom back on hold. Okay, thanks so much for calling in, Tom. Okay. Um, there we go. So that was Tom. Thank you for calling in. And I'm going to continue on with this uh, with this thread that I started on the 13th of August because I think it's really, it's you know, it's just crazy. And the thing that Tom, we'll just let's stop and talk about what Tom was talking about. So there's a couple things that I didn't know were happening at the level. I, I knew that nurses were being sent to AANA back in the 70s because I met a nurse who was forced, and she used to stand in the back of the room. And she was a nice lady, but she wanted no part of Alcoholics Anonymous and or Narcotics Anonymous. They, AA, got involved with the Board of Nursing, the FAA, and with doctors, you know, what is that? That's 40 years ago. That's really scary. But, hey, you know, time flies. So that happened 40 years ago. And so they made these, what, what's happening is that these professionals are being extorted to attend a type of AA that if, if, it, was, if it was laid out for me or really anybody that I know, would have, they would never have joined. They would have clearly said, oh, this is a cult. This is, this is a cult. Or this is, what is this? You're telling me, that, like, I have to go here? Wait, who are those people? What are those groups? Who runs them? Who's in charge? What are the regulations for those groups? You would, you know, instead, but, but that's not going on. So the, all these people, when you're forced to go somewhere, when you're coerced, coercion is, you know, when you get a DUI and then they kind of say, well, in the kind of, judge says, you better get, go to 50A meetings or I'm throwing your ass in jail. Well, that's also in violation of our First Amendment. It's in violation of the Constitution. People have fought it, like Barry Hazel fought it, and he won you know, $1.9 million. And the thing is, is that there's this infestation of two hatters, AA members, who probably got sober then, or they didn't. I don't know when they got sober or if they're sober, but there's AA members who then have gotten into the field. The field has gotten very broad and very big. There are nurses, and there are social workers, and there are probation officers, and there's drug counselors, which really didn't exist much when I first went to AA and you know went to these few rehabs, Hinamaka and others. They were AA members who were like going, "Oh, I can do this. I'm sober now." And you know, I actually I got hired because I had six years sober and I was like 24 years old, and I worked in a women's alcohol treatment center for six months, and um, I hated it. I only liked when I took the women swimming and I taught them basketball and we would have groups where we would just talk and I was just making this shit up as I went along. Like I just tried to get them to do more than sit around reading a big book. But what's really scary is when somebody goes into a real hospital, a psychiatric hospital, mental hospital, because they have tried to go to, say, some place where they're reaching out for help and saying, look, you know, I'm drinking too much and I'd like to change this and I'd like to either stop it or, you know, drink less. They put themselves, because they feel suicidal, into a, a institution, a psychiatric one, and then you have a doctor coming saying, well, you just need to go to AA. And I'm like, wait a second, like, whoa. I mean, a doctor in a white coat came and said that to you. And he's like, yeah, and I've had, you know, other men, actually one of the first guys I ever inter- interviewed for the movie uh, we called him Jay. Um, you know, he was from Florida. He's from Miami, and uh, told me this, you know, story. And I was like really shocked. I was like, "You're kidding!" 
I know at UCLA, I mean, it's it's bad. So this is the kind of thing that um, uh, is going on. And so, you know, there's a lot of, if, if you want to join a group uh, on Facebook, there's a lot of them uh, for many different reasons. If you like to be abstinent, but you don't like AA, there's those kind of groups. If you're anti-AA, and there's plenty of groups. And the thing that I think is good about Facebook is that they're really moderated the groups, and so um, if you want to be in a safe group, we have deprogramming from AA or any other 12-step group. I have a leaving AA blog um, that's anonymous blog. You create a handle, you know, some, you know, a fake alias, and then you can blog privately so that no one uh, knows your name and where you're from or anything, if that's the way you want to do it. And then if you have a complaint, please file one with me, and we, you know, we do what we can to help people. And there, there's just a ton of Facebook pages. There must be 12, at least 12 anti-AA Facebook pages now. <clears throat> and blogs. Oh, my God. I mean, there's at least that many as well. Expose AA, Armed with Facts. Julia Roxman has um, a site. There's a bunch of sites that you can, um, yeah. All right. So here we go. Um, I'm gonna. There's someone else here. Let's see if they want to talk. Hi, caller. You're on the line. Would you like to speak or you want to just listen? Um, it doesn't matter. This is Susan, and I just I was having a little trouble um, following you online, so I called in to listen. Hi, Susan. Nice Hi. to hear from you. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Well, I was. You hear what I'm doing? I just was. I'm reading some of these uh, one-liners here. You know that well, were on forgot, this. You forgot my favorite one. My favorite one is fine. You know, whenever you ask someone how they're doing, and they're like, "I'm fine. How are you?" You know, it's just a, just an expression. You know, I'm fine. How are you? Right. Um, but we know what they say it means. You what know. is that? What What did they say? <laughs> Tell me what they say. Have you never heard that? Well, that was like I, this, one of the first things I heard. Well, okay, what well, we heard said, was, yeah, go ahead. You say it, and well, I'll, I'll tell you what they used to say. Well, no, you said about. the word earlier. Um, they They told me it meant you were... Um, Fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Oh wow! <laughs> wow, they're pretty hardcore there. Uh huh. Oh my word! No, people would say, "Are you sure?" <clears throat> That's what people said in in Hawaii. Like they hold on, let me get a sip of water. <clears throat> people would say, you know, you say, "How are you?" And say, "I'm fine." You know, and they'd say, "Really? Why don't you tell your face that?" Oh. Oh, mm-hmm. well, no, down here they say, um, you say, you know, how you doing? Well, I'm fine, you know, because that's mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, and um, and that's what they say it means. So I learned to never say, I'm fine. I would say, I'm doing well. How are you? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and if you think about it, the, you know, really, very little about AA makes sense whenever you really think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, so... There's something uh, that you wrote here that I think mm-hmm. is... Real, I'm, I just got to this place because I'm still on the 13th, you know. It was like one of the busiest threads we've ever seen on this uh, site. But it says... Um, some of the, So it says our book is meant to be suggestive only. Those of us who are in AA, we know this by heart because they read... Chapter 5, and this is read. We realize we know only a little. And then you wrote, some some of the very few words in the big book that I do not think are BS, they admit that they don't know what the hell they are talking about, 
but you are not going to hear this in meetings. What you're hearing in meetings is this is the only way. You know, That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't suggest anything. They demand total surrender. This also goes directly against the words in how it works because how it works says that those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, implying that total surrender is the only way. Right. Yeah. Right. It's really, really a good piece that you wrote there. And then um, at, at the end, at at the mm-hmm. end of the the first um, 169 pages, um, I've been out now for four and a half years, and um, and it's still hard for me to read page 169 and not get caught up in their BS because I liken it to an you know like an old Southern chant revival whenever they whip the crowd into a frenzy. And um, that that's the way it is, you know, whenever it's like, join us on this road to happy destiny. And, um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And, it's true. And, and really, when, when, when I was in, um, there, was, there was no happiness. It was all misery. They all focused on, 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 on judging other people, and they focused on... On all on on bad things, you know, and um, um, and the few that had the power, they were the ones that that were the worst, and um, and and that's one of the things that I feel the worst about now is I was in there for you know over twenty years, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the times I was one of them that was spouting this crap that now I yep. feel terrible about about telling people. So, mm-hmm. you know, anyway. I said that to uh, my husband. Uh, last night, uh, so I was just brushing my teeth, and it was like this wash. You know, I've been gone over four years too, Susan, mm-hmm. and it was just like this big wave of uh, memory of saying things to people that I see completely now with total BS and brainwashing and stuff, and and I was just like, ugh, like you know, like just like this yuck of like, how did I ever believe this crap? But, you know, there is very, very serious brainwashing that happens very, very early on. You know, is it the rote readings of the big book and the way that um, people get love-bombed when they go there at the same time when people are very vulnerable and, um, you know, lonely and vulnerable, I guess it would be? Um, I think that it's uh, it definitely is very, very brainwashing because I've had very successful you know, different kind of educated people contact me and say, well, you know, I mean, all kinds of people get scooped up in cults, but I think that whether or not we call it that, it's really got a lot of problems, and these are are the problems, and I I know your story, and for someone to, you know, uh, call you, take you there, think you, it's, you know, your parents to think that it's, you know, it's okay to take a a teenager there, that, that, that our culture is so brainwashed and uh, that these media and TV shows and films have been made since the 1950s promoting Alcoholics Anonymous as being a safe support group with guys in coats and men in jackets and women with dresses from the 1950s with their little hair, you know, just fixed just right, like something out of Leave it to Beaver. 
when in, in you know when did they start sending you know sex offenders there and violent offenders there you know has well, 50 years <laughs> i know for a fact that it's still going on and and um um my um my son uh got a um, minor in possession and <laughs> Got a minor in possession and a um, public intox last night. He's 19 years old. And uh, when I went to get him out of jail, the sheriff, of course, knows me. And he was mm-hmm. he was very nice. And he was like, don't worry about it, Susan. He said, um, um, all you have to do, said, uh, you'll have to pay about a $500 fine. And said, and the judge is going to sentence him to go to probably about five AA meetings. And I said, no, over my dead body. Mm. over my dead body. And he said, why? Because you'll be sitting there. And I said, I have been out now for these years. And I said, over my dead body, will you put my son in there with predators? Wow. Good you for know? you. What did he, and, so what um, happened next? What did he say to that? He said, okay. He said, I'll ask the, I'll ask the judge to just have him write an essay. And I said, okay. I don't care for him writing an essay. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing. What he did last night <coughs> is almost exactly, well, I mean, not really, but similar to what I did that got me wrapped up in this crap, right. you know, and that was that I was in a car wreck, you know, I've told you before, I was in a car wreck, right. and I was 15 years old, and um, right before I turned 16, and my friends, whenever they came in, they thought it would be funny to bring me some booze. We right. were not drinking whenever we had the car wreck. We just were driving too fast. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, and so whenever we got, when I got caught with the booze in the hospital, they decided that I had a problem with alcohol and told my parents that I needed to go to AA. Well, last night he went out with some of his friends. They went to a scrimmage game, a football game, and... They were drinking, and and I have, I'm not going to say I don't have any problem with it. I do have a problem with it because he should not have been out drinking, you know. But also, whenever they made him blow on the thing, he blew a .02. Well, Yeah, which means that I asked him, I said, how much had you had? And he said, I had had two beer in two hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, okay, if he hadn't been 19 years old... Nothing would have happened. Yeah, that whole thing with the... So this has happened to you? This happened last night. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. If the drinking age is back down to 18, which I think it should be, they seem to mm-hmm. lower it back down to 18 so that the kids won't be going after pills and opiates and stuff. Right. I'm so sorry. Well, um, <laughs> we, I mean, it, it's fine. Like I said, we're going to pay like a $500 fine, and he's going to write an essay. And that's what the sheriff said will happen. And um, and I'm and I'm sure he's right because um, um, what's helping him a lot, you know how it is. Um, the boy, one of the boys that he was arrested with, is the sheriff's grandson. Mm-hmm. So you know they're not going to have a lot bad happen to him. Right. Oh my <laughs> God, that's too funny. Well, I mean, it's not, but <laughs> the sheriff's grandson. But it's in a small town. I know it is. We won't mention which one. But I think that, wow. Got so a thousand just, people but in. good for you. Good for you yeah. that you did that. You know, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, and you know, and people may think that I'm terrible for throwing my weight around and saying no. You know, you will not send him to AA mm-hmm. um, because I mean they will listen to me. You know, right? And um, and, um, and I don't care. All I'm doing is trying to protect my kid. Of course, you don't want your son to go there. I wouldn't. No. But any anybody that I know or my kids, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. It's uh, really important. I think what you did, and uh, you know, I'm really glad that you've called in and, and found us and found me, and you know, we I can am have. Um, yeah. Or can I put you back on hold? There's another caller here. Sure. I'll put you on. All right. And um, thanks for calling in. I'll just put you back uh-huh. on hold. Okay. Thanks, Susan. Hi, caller. You're live. Can I have your name, please? Hi, this is Craig. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, so uh, I've been listening for a while uh, to your show uh, for the past few months, and uh, I had to call in and share a story. I guess you could call it a bit of a de-spiritual moment, if you will. And uh, it was actually pretty important. Um, I had been reading things like the Orange Papers and listening to your show and had kind of been, I guess, setting my mind up to start to to start to leave AA without really taking that leap. And, um, and I, I turned on that episode of uh, BS, uh, Penn & Teller, on the 12 Steps. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, yeah, yeah. And it was pretty painful at first, you know. It kind of went against these steps that were on some level kind of near and dear to me, but also sort of battling a lot of doubt. Um, And at the beginning of the episode, uh, they go through, they have a copy of the big book and um, go through the steps, but they read them incorrectly. They say, um, admit you are powerless over alcohol. And I just got angry, and I thought, no, that's not how you do it. You're supposed to say, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol because people will then think that you're telling them what to do. And wait a minute, but they are telling you what to do, mm. and it's kind of a twisted around, the, you know, going or beating around the bush. Oh, my God, I'm brainwashed. Like, it wow. was this incredible moment of, like, holy cow. Wow. Um it was actually it was the spiritual experience I had been waiting for, really. But um, I, I wouldn't even call it that. I, I, right. I'm pretty comfortable in my lack of belief at this point. But um, uh, but whew, to, to to be in that position to battle those messages that are ultimately pretty contradictory, and um, to really honestly feel like I don't feel like I don't belong um, because mm-hmm. I want to make that change in my life. Um, I definitely had a drinking problem, but my problem was, and I knew that NA wasn't going to work out for me. So I was kind of in this weird in-between land where I really, really wanted to get my ass together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm an intellectual guy. I'm a scientist by trade. I uh, do research and I was doing research and reading things that were very contradictory to AA, and I have good health insurance, and I was doing therapy. Uh-huh. And just that whole process of trying to talk this out with these people, and they just wouldn't get it, wouldn't get it, wouldn't get it. And 
it's it's horrible. It really is, and it's such a unique experience that I'm glad I had. Um, in order to show me, I guess, my ability to be, you know, quote-unquote brainwashed, um, kind yeah. of scary, um, really. Um, it but is. sitting there in those meetings and juggling all that, yeah, but I am, but I'm not, but I should, but I, oh, oh my goodness. I just remember that point when I just gave up and that feeling of like, okay, this is me surrendering, giving my life, my will over to this greater power. And honestly, there are a few more soul-sucking feelings than that. And so that's that. I, I don't really know how to say it. Um, and well, maybe I am I in denial, you know, maybe this is, you know, one big grand trick, but I, I don't think I am, so. Can I ask you how long you've been, are you, are you leaving or you're, you've been out, you've left AA? Um, well, I've been out about five months. And, uh, and how how long did you go for? I was like a year to the day, basically. Um, once I got that one year, I, I just felt angry because, um, my expectations were so high yeah. that whole year, you know, right. I was like, it's going to change. That's when you're supposed to get a girlfriend or whatever, buy a boat, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and of course I, I, you know, it was my decision to go to AA. I can't hold that against them, but, but I can because I just felt sort of manipulated in a way. So, um, yeah. Did you I mean, know that I, other things existed? Sorry. Uh, can I ask you another question? Did you sure. know other things that existed at the time, though? You were looking for some help. Did you know that there were um, other modalities like free support groups like SMART or harm reduction? Or moderation? I did, and, and I, think, I think I just was so desperate to have a place. You know, I had lost all of my friends and, and just didn't have really anyone in my life. Things were rough in my family, and, you know, here were those group of people that I needed to to have that connection with. And I just, I did feel that kind of like, Ooh, there's those other programs. They lie They're, You know, and I just, Oh, it's, it's scary to think that, you know, someone is, I like to think of myself as pretty level headed, pretty rational. Um, and when I would read the websites, I'd go through the, you know, smart and rational recovery. I just feel sick. Like, Oh, these people, they're lying. They're, they're probably in denial. Like that's mm-hmm. where I was. It's so well, crazy to think that that's where I was at one point, and yeah. it, it, I, I'm still kind of making heads of it. But um, uh, but I did at some point near the end there uh, go to Smart for a while um, and kind of trailed off with that. Um, but um, I think there's a lot of good things, you know, that it's cognitive behavioral approach and a lot of the things is rational recovery um, sounds a little more up my alley um, mm-hmm. and that's more or less what I, I'm, I haven't been sober um, I drink occasionally um, mm-hmm. I don't care to haven't smoked pot and and that's that so um, yeah I guess you're a grown you're, you sound like you're a grown person you're an adult you're a grown man and you get to choose what you want and what I think that what I see as I look back and look at the way AA and all rehab treats adults is you get you don't get treated like an adult. It's like you have one way. And when I interviewed especially the alternatives like Tom Warvath and the guys at Alternatives, Dr. Jaffe and Dr. Kern, that when they said to me, I said, well, 
what is your approach? And they said, well, we ask them, you know, what is it that you want? Do you want to be abstinent or would, do you want to, you know, learn how to moderate? Or, and, and they were, and I was like, what? Wait a second. You ask, and I, like, I wouldn't even ask that now. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't think yeah. that is so unusual now. But I, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that was sort of the turning point for me where, I mean, to be honest, I, I drank kind of out of spite and it wasn't like just go get drunk. It was have a couple of beers at the bar. Um, and I thought, all right, well now what I'm kind of, kind of flying solo, sort of hanging out with the smart recovery people, not really sure what's up. And at some point I had read, um, who's the guy on the perfect, um, perfect program, Stanton Peel. Um, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. asked a, a very direct question. He said, can you moderate? And I was like, well, of course I can. <laughs> and and that just is such a threatening question to ask because, you know, that you just can't think that way. And yeah. Yeah. kind yeah, of been my motto, and I have, I have moderated. In fact, I, I'm really not interested in drinking. And I cringe just to hear myself say that now because, you know, inevitably in AA someone's going to jump down your throat and either indirectly or directly say, you know, you're in denial or, you know, rethink your place in the program, whatever. Um, I'm still pretty shaken up by it. Like I know I'm going to hang up the phone and, you know, think, oh gosh, it's, I'm just, I'm just a drunken to know. No, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I'm really not interested in drinking quite frankly. And, um, and yes, I do have a resentment against the, mindfuck that has been mm-hmm. you know that I've that I signed up for so um yeah yeah well thank you for calling in Craig um I really appreciate it and if you want you know there's Facebook pages that with the deprogramming page if you wanted to come in there you'd have to you have to request it and just say you were the caller that called in you private message me deprogramming from AA or any other 12 step group or leaving AA blog uh, there's other ones that you could join, but I really appreciate it. I can, I can hear all you're going through. Um, I want to say that, um, like Susan, you know, has been gone a long time, that, and she's expressed that, you know, how deep we find it to be. And all I can say is the thing that things that have helped is to read other books that are good, that are not based in 12-step, that are about addiction so that you can have another viewpoint in your head, and that there is something very circular about AA and everything in the book, and that is because it comes from the Oxford groups and the Oxford movement, which was a cult. And I don't know if, you know, I wonder how, how, what part of what happens in a meeting and what, and those things that are said, and that grabs people the way that it does, right? And then the component that you're very vulnerable and you'll never be that vulnerable again when they jump in. Like the fact that you didn't have any family or friends around you and you were that isolated and everybody was probably mad at you. And that, you know, this is what happens when people wind up going to AA. And then you have people who are love bombing you and saying, oh, well, we love you, Craig. We love you, too. you know, we, we love you. And they really are doing this. Like you get the sense that they really do love you, but they don't love you. They don't even know you, you know. And um yeah. But besides that, that it does take time. It gets better with time. But it does, I mean, look, I made a movie. So I was like immersed in everything that was exposing all the bad about AA and getting bad emails from people who had been harmed by AA and its members. And then I was reading like, you know, book after book, whether it was by Stanton Peel or 
you know, um, the the uh, the sober truth by Lance Dodies. Have you read that one? Uh, no, but um, that's a good one. There it's a was a one. There, it's not thick. There was a <laughs> yeah. There that was one I kind of really knew. I went to my last meeting when someone brought that up, and everybody was scoffing and making gross sounds. And I'm thinking, oh, you're wow. the ones who quote that. You're the ones who quote that. Um, uh, with a Herbert Spencer quote at, in the appendix about um, um, before investigation, contempt before investigation. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, follow your own book. But I don't know. It's. Uh, I guess I just really felt compelled to call today because I'm frankly pretty tired of giving that disclaimer of, well, I'm happy it helps people, and, you know, I'm not sure if it really did for me. Um this is my experience. I mean, laid bare. And any decisions I make in the future that may be harmful are, are completely mine. And um, and that's that. You know, I, I don't understand this mentality of it was my disease. You know, as if we need to, like, beat our chests and proudly proclaim that we're broken. I mean, it just, it's, you know. It's a good point. It's a good point. But, did, but yeah. maybe you called in because I was reading that stuff that Susan had written. Did you hear that paragraph where she actually talked about the disease wants you dead? Was it her in her? But come on, like let's just talk about that. Oh, a disease. Oh, it's uh, my disease wants me dead. It's like fuck you. Oh my God, there is no disease that wants anybody dead. There's no disease that's got a head and a legs and a mouth that's talking to anybody. Like that's crazy talk. Well, I'll tell you, just on the subject of weird psychoanalysis kind of like control mechanisms, if you will, you know, when I had first met with my, I guess, third of four sponsors, because um, I gave that an honest go, um, apparently he had, had asked me if I thought I was constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself, and I quickly said, I'm not. And later he asked me the same question. He said, see, you hesitated. That's good. That means that you aren't constitutionally incapable because you have the ability to think about it and to think that I bought that line of reasoning and mm. so deeply believed it. And, you know, I actually held this notion that that's a good sign. I'm improving because I had to think about whether or not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No thanks. So yeah, I hear you. Well, keep listening and uh, you know, calling again and um, and good luck. And you're not alone. There's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us, and if not thousands. So thank you, Craig, for calling, and I'll put you back on hold. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Monica. Goodbye. Um, So there we had Craig. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, Susan, for calling in. And I'm going to go back to. Um, where we were reading, because I think it's really, uh, once you're a pickle, you can't go back to being cucumber. Oh, yeah, I think I said that one already. Wow. So you heard, you know, you can really hear uh, what um, Craig was saying, that the brainwashing is pretty deep. And I, I know from a perspective as someone who's watching somebody else, hey, Blue, stop that, my doggies. Stop that. Good boy. Um, that if uh, when people are drinking or using a drug too much and they're pissing off everybody in their family, that um, 
the family starts to get angry and it just would escalate, right? And if they all believe in AA and eventually that person goes to a meeting, when they go to a meeting and they raise their hand, everyone's going to be shaking their hand and hugging them and welcoming them and come back and come back. And when they go home, even though they might be sober that day or their first day or their second day and they get three days, or the, the family is still mad at them. And so if you're out there listening and you have a family member, I want to turn you on to Craft C-R-A-F-T, you can go to the Center for Motivation and Change. You can click on, uh, they have videos. You can buy the craft booklet, the workbook, uh, off of the Smart Recovery page. You can, I think you can get it just about anywhere. Just Google craft workbook. And you learn different ways to treat your family. It's not the Al-Anon way, not the tough love way. There's another way. And I've had people on, I'd like to have more people on talk about that. Because there's a component of, you know, the family and the people around, probably not the people at work, but, you know, I guess I was watching a show and you could see where the person in their job, uh, it, it all didn't help. Uh, and it was all because of how AA has become a meme. It has become a cultural meme. And uh, it's really messed up. So we only have a few minutes left. We have two minutes left, 53 seconds left. Um, I am going to go to the deprogramming. So I, I want to suggest maybe some books, books that will make you think differently about how people get help. One of them is From Death Do I Part from Amy Lee Coy. And Amy uh, was dropped off at rehab at 13 and then was in and out of rehabs for over 20 years. Never really liked AA, never really, really never engaged in it, and eventually writes a book and heals herself. Um, science and kindness. That's what she used. It's, 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 you can go to see Andrew Tatarski has a center in New York. If you're looking for a good therapist, um, the Center for Motivation and Change, they referred me to somebody, uh, who's out here in LA. Um, people can Skype if you don't live in a city with someone. I really make sure you find somebody who is not a stepper and they might not even be a stepper, but they're brainwashed. I mean, my husband and I went to see this person um, that his old therapist has suggested, and you know, people are just really brainwashed. It's like it's like all or nothing. So we're going to wind down. There's a, a minute and 45 seconds left to the show. Uh, my name is Monica Richardson. The show is called Safe Recovery. You can download these for free anytime. You can go to iTunes. Please go to iTunes if you like the podcast and review the podcast. Got plenty of haters over there. It'd be nice to see some other people who listen. Go to iTunes, review the show, Safe Recovery on iTunes. It's free, share it everywhere with people. And, you know, go to the websites, Google Alternatives to Alcoholics Anonymous. Listen to your inner self. And what you know and they do not know, just know that nobody, nobody can say something to you that only we know how to fix you. Only That is a sign of a cult. That is a sign. That's the beginning of abusive relationships. Control. Only, only I can help you. Only, bad idea. So we'll, again, we'll thank you for joining me today, and we will see you next week. Thank you again. Good night.